Welcome to The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion Podcast. I'm Danielle Rudeutschen. Each episode features a conversation with a creative mind about the things that inspire them or that have given their life meaning in some way. From books, to art, to a piece of jewellery, these objects are collected into a cabinet which resides in physical form in the attic at 5 Carlos Place, the Matches Fashion Townhouse in London. Today I'm speaking to Richard Quinn, the British designer who hit the headlines when the Queen attended his show earlier this year, and when Amal Clooney chose to wear his design to the Met Gala. Known for his bold prints with a subversive edge, he trained at Central St Martins before setting up his label in 2016, and says he's all about the full look. His collections are created entirely by his team at his studio in South East London, of which he has said, I love bringing the craft back to London because clients can actually come to the studio and see where their clothes are made. Hi Richard. Hi. (laughs) How's it going? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. So um, we're sitting here in your studio in South East London, yeah, sitting, sitting on a padded on the, table. Which yeah, I'm these are the screen print tables. So they're all padded so when you screen print on fabric, you can get the ink all the way through the pile. Okay, so I'm not going to get any ink on me. No, it's all dry, but you can kind of see people's yeah. neck season stuff Do you stuff have to dr- um, change the fabric? We do print? every season. I throw it away, but I think I'm going to start to keep it, because last season we had like... You can actually see all the designers' work in one place, and they're pretty quite nice archive things to have. So I think I'll start keeping the backing cloth somewhere. Yeah. Um, and you make everything that you create in in here. Yeah, in so this all studio. our show studio, uh, all our show samples are done here, all our printing's done here, and then our manufacturers are like within two square miles of here, so everything's Keep, really local. Keeping it local. Yeah, exactly. Um, what are those rolls of fabric over there with the amazing bright prints on? What are they for? They're actually the last. Funnily enough, the last matches uh, units to go out. These are oh. exclusive ones that have got uh, scarfs, ties on the back, so it's kind of mirrors the show, but you, I think you guys are the only ones that are getting those. Exclusive print. Yeah. Exclusive created here. Here in Peckham. Amazing. <laughs> You've had this kind of amazing couple of years, starting in 2016 when you graduated from your from Central St. Martins with your MA yeah. show, and you had amazing reviews. You got it, the collection got shot by Jurgen Teller. Yeah. Um, all the fashion critics were crazy about it, and then obviously you launched your label in 2016, um, and did that show at Liberty of London, and then you yeah. had that show at the beginning of the year where the, obviously just it was just like blanket headlines when the Queen, yeah. the Queen attended, and obviously the Met Ball recently when Amal Clooney wore your designs. Um, how does it feel to be famous? Uh, I think it's it happened quite quickly, which is really good, but I think it's like nice to have momentum and I think what's really refreshing for me and the team is like how quick things happen as well. So like even the Amal thing, that happened within like a few days and you see it in a different context on a red carpet. I think that's the most exciting thing. Um, and it's nice, I think we're kind of, 
more recognised by people in the local area, which is quite funny. So we'll, usually when we're printing, we have the doors open, and people will be like, well done. <laughs> you're like, hi guys. That's great. <laughs> so in, here in Peckham, yeah. you're a local celebrity. I think yeah. if I walked out there, no one would know who I am, but I think just because there's a name outside the door, they do. But it's like a nice environment. I feel like this environment's quite real as well. You grew up around here? I was born in like Lewisham, and then I grew up about 20 minutes away in Eltham. But yeah, my dad's had his scaffolding yard here since like 1996. So. Is he still working? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, actually, interesting fact, if you stand on Queensway Peckham Station between six in the morning until half seven, you'll hear him screaming at scafters. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's like genuine fact. <laughs> what does he say? Uh, is it automatic bleeps on this already? <laughs> <laughs> um, basically get a move on, but in like a very firm way. <laughs> what does your mum do? Uh, my mum used to be a nurse and then like she studied more and she became like a lecturer at King's and then she was developing like the health service in Ireland now she's back she's like a consultant for like different I don't really know what she does but I know she's really intelligent <laughs> I, just, I know it's like to do with like the health service and like protection of children and stuff like that so something good I think did they encourage you with your career they I'm one of five but they encouraged like every one of us to obviously excel at what you do but do what you want to do because I went to like a normal state school and I just happened to be really interested in art and design and making things and creative things and it was never you have to be really academic because all my other siblings are really academic um and naturally so and I'm not stupid or anything like that uh, I like was okay at academic subjects, but I think they realised that it was a passion. Not so much that they realised you could have like a career in it. But then when I went to Chisworth and Sickup Grammar School um, for the sixth form bit, purely because it was like um, what do you call it, a specialist art college where Quinton Blake went. What was the name of the grammar school? Uh, Chisworth and Sickup. Okay. So that's like yeah, it's right near where I live now, but. Well, interesting fact actually, I went to Dartford Grammar uh, went to Dartford Grammar sixth form for about an hour and a half and left. <laughs> so I trying to make me do the international baccalaureate, and I was like, nope, I'm out of here. <laughs> went home and I was like, no, I'm going to. I think it was like St Luke's. That was like the really cool indie sixth form that everyone was going to. And my parents were like, mm, it's kind of nice balance, and we know you like art. So why don't you go to this? And that's where I actually learned about St Martin's, and like you could actually have a career in it. And they really were supportive of art and it was more thought of like an actual subject rather than like a vocation like arty farty airy fairy is more like oh you're really good you can actually do xyz what was the first thing that you put into your cabinet for five carlos place uh i think the first thing is a book that i was recommended by but it's none of his work is on the internet anyway it's probably been mentioned before but an article paul harris he's got like these and it kind of ties in with carlos's place we're trying to evoke that kind of same feeling of like upholstered chairs and women and the surrounding prints melting into the surrounding area um and it's just an amazing book he made in the 60s like super modern for the time and even looking at it now it's really even the craft in it's really amazing um of all these different upholstered women onto chairs and he also has like really weird objects in there like feet hanging from the ceiling but with stilettos on and it's all like paper mache so and then I I think there's only two books that he's ever done and then I had both them on my MA and that became like the crux of how, how to did you, do he's so obscure like how did you come across him so I was doing weirdly enough I was kind of doing what he does without knowing it and then my teacher Flea on the MA Bigwood was like 
oh, have you ever seen this artist? Like, no one knows about him, but you must know about him because it looks exactly like this thing. I was like, no, no, no. So he brought the book in, and then I started to research further, and then I found the bigger book. And then I was like, ah. And there's like all these pictures of like women looking at, well, not actual women, but all these upholstered figures looking out of windows. And it's like the weird thing about it was they all had like some sort of character, and it changed through the textile, and that's kind of what we were trying to evoke with the MA. And weirdly enough, um, I got an email from his son, and I'm mentioned in his obituary, you know when someone dies and you get that. So like, I think he died recently and they like mentioned me in it being like, oh, we're inspiring Richard Quinn, blah, 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 which was really nice. So it's nice to be on their That's radar incredible. as well. Yeah. Because he is, was American? He's American, He's yeah. American, so artist. it's quite far. Maybe you should, because he hasn't, he has, there hasn't been a retro, like a show of his. Ever, or, I don't yeah. think. Because then the only things that I could find on the internet was like a really basic website and it had like tiny pixelated images. And then I think there's like a piece that sold on Christie's years and years and years ago. But apart from that, he's like nowhere to be seen. I think if you type his name in now, like interviews with me comes up. <laughs> Which is kind of embarrassing. It does. Cause it's I, like, I looked. Yeah, yeah. it's just like... Because <laughs> his work is I amazing. I Google imaged it as well. There's loads of pictures of those fabric faces from your MA collection. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, does his son look after the, the estate and everything then? He's I only got the email yeah. like a week ago. but weird. Um, it was quite weird. Yeah. It's nice to see that. What the most interesting thing I find is when you do work so far removed from where it starts and they become interested in it. I think that's the power of like the was reach. that one of those things that made you think oh my god I am becoming well known now I don't think of it in terms of like oh I'm really well known now I think as in like that's funny that they've heard of it and I just try and track back how they would have heard of it yeah I think it's interesting probably good to have a dialogue with them guys be like can I buy one of those things because I would if I could put anything it'd be the book but if it was big enough, I'd definitely put one of his pieces in there. Can you can you buy the book now? You have to. Is it is it out of print? There's a, it's out of print, but I only found two. But they're off like Amazon secondhand. Mm. When it arrived, it was like stolen from some American library. Knowing that someone rips out the front, I was like, yeah. <laughs> don't think this is legit. But it has really amazing imagery in it. And then you went to Central St Martin's to do a BA. I did the foundation first, which was it was really good, and then. I just felt at the time though, it wasn't what I was expecting because I was expecting like print rooms and all this stuff, but obviously it's all changed now, but I was back in like this room where it was like really stark and white and I was just really confused like, isn't this meant to be an art school? Like, what the hell's going on? But then it then did dawn on me towards the end. It's like the whole idea is that you're really creative and self-motivated. And I was like, ah, get it, which was a really good learning curve. And then I didn't go straight into the BA. I went and worked for Michael Vanderham for like full time for a bit. I think that was like the best thing I did because that's where I kind of learned you could do like fashion and print and then they were like really suggesting that I was doing like something he's doing some stuff for I can't remember who it was at the time I think it was like Topshop or something like that and I was like helping do all the prints I was coming up with like ways of printing without screen print and all that kind of stuff so that was fun and then I applied for the BA and then I got into the BA and then that's where I was like oh my god this is the best thing ever who was your who was your main teacher or person that influenced you when you were there I think the best thing about St Martin's is Everyone there, regardless of age, is relevant. Whether you're a student there, you're relevant. But mainly the teaching staff. I always looked at the teachers not as like an authority. I looked at them more as like a peer and like, oh, you've got so much knowledge. What do you think? And the more you listen, the more you learn. And like the more you get to know them, the more stories that they tell you. And you're like, 
the things that I find interesting, things out of context. So when it's like, I used to watch SMTV Live and Jamiroquai performed, and then now I'm meeting the guy who's telling me a whole story about how he made the hat and how he did X, Y, and Z with it. And then you're like, it, at the time, you'd never know that I'd meet the guy who did this. So I think that was the most interesting thing about being there. Like, Natty Gibson's an amazing teacher, and I think she was more intrinsically linked with screen printing and craft, and in a way really teaches you to go against the quick fix. Like, don't just do it digital, maybe screen print, mixed colours, texture colours, a very, like, intelligent way of design. And then you'll be flicking through books in the library, and it's like, Natalie Gibson, 1965, Natalie Gibson. And you're like, these people are so relevant, and these are, like, things the students here are referencing. So when I think when you hear people like, oh, I had such a hard time, it's like, I just found it, like, a really interesting experience. I didn't... Obviously, it's, like, tough, but I think as long as you have, like, a really good dialogue and you have interest in it, I don't think there's a reason to struggle I think so they're to help you what would the second thing be for your cabinet my second thing would probably be probably a colour card actually because a lot of our work is revolved around colour testing so what is a colour card a colour card is basically like it's almost like pantones but we do it through screen printing or we do it through digital um, like our production, like for our stuff in matches, it's all digital done, so it's like really uniform and unique and great colours basically. But it allows, it's funny when you get a print and you start a print and you change the colours, it's no longer a winner. So, and there is a moment when you're doing it and you do the first sample, you're like, mm, not really too sure about this. And by the time you get to the end and you've colour tested it, you check the colour card, you're like, boom, we've got a winner. So I think that's the most important thing in the studio. You're sort of known for these big, bold prints um, that have done this sort of quite bit of a, with a bit of a subversive edge. Yeah. What made you interested in these sort of pr- these colours and patterns? I think, I think again, it's like taking something. I think one of the most famous looks out of the um, MA show was a Liberty print that I found from the fifties, and then like blew it up, really saturated the colours. And it's just taking something very small and dainty, blowing it up and putting it in a different context on a different silhouette and different mood. That is really interesting. So I think that's why there's interest on it. And then there's also intrigue because we obviously won't do flowers all the time, so next season will be different. And then you've just got a the train's going overhead now. Exactly. Just explain we're sitting underneath yeah. the train arches in Peckham. Yeah. Uh, people <laughs> very are atmospheric. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? The nine oh. Wait till the local nutter Two minutes concert, past eleven. Be really yeah. atmospheric. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and then it's basically then allows you then to think how to take other contexts and other prints out of where they usually sit and then subvert them. So you'd already landed on these huge prints for your MA show, which you showed, which was in twenty sixteen. Yeah. Talk about what that was like. Did you know when you were making it that, well, did you think, oh, I'm onto a winner here? Did you anticipate the amount of success and excitement it was going to generate? I think everyone, I think the great thing about St Martin's is that everyone is there and they've all got a really strong point of view, but it's all different. So whenever anyone else has a strong point of view, they obviously believe in it and I obviously believed in what I was doing. So then, again, it's all about timing as well. Everyone's work is as valid as everyone else's, I think. And it's just... I think I came out in a time where it was like Celine was on the dip, like the very minimal, silent, sophisticated fashion was kind of on the decline. 
in terms of being fresh and new and everyone's anticipating because there was a time where Celine was like god and everyone would be like banging down that door to get in there but it got to a point where you did start seeing other fresher people come up that aren't afraid to reference like Lacroix or Galliano and all, and it becomes very very like intrinsically the designer's world and the idea that the world can be anything that you want and everyone can be different within the fashion it doesn't have to be like derivative of Celine and Coz and very clean and there was like a market for everyone who is quite loud or they wanted wearing like a daring print so I think I was shocked in terms of like being on like a front cover the next week and then like Jürgen and asking for it I probably shouldn't say this but at the time I was like I got the email and I was like I like tell it to one of the people in the course like who's that and they're like oh my god <laughs> and I was like oh whatever because I would... what, he emailed you personally? No, it's like the it's usual studio. route, like yeah. a stylist. I think it was actually Poppy Kane, actually. She was like a really good supporter of us. Yeah, that's how it happened, because she saw our foil, and then that's what was on the cover. Um, Talk about your foil, by the way. I don't think you oh, even yeah. mentioned it yet. So that was... Um, that was basically... Because I didn't have any... Well, everyone's got no money on the MA, but the whole idea was taking something with no value applying like a textile technique and then creating a lot of value within it so i went to the pound shop to basically did like a personal pound shop project didn't even tell the teachers like i'm just going to do it for myself just to prove that you can make something with literally like a tenner so there's like a whole camping section and a lot of it was just like we've got one of those big presses at st martin's a lot of it was just trying to just shove it in press it and see what happens a lot of it melts a lot of it doesn't do much but then you do get a bingo moment you're like that's weird, why has it taken the colour so well? And I was like, okay, what happens if I bond this? What happens if I do this? And then it becomes like, a, I had a whole book of foil. Like, what happens if I emboss it? What happens if I do this? What happens if I bond it to something with like a texture underneath? Then it becomes a whole world in itself, that texture. I think that's the... So the lesson that I learned from that is, go to the pound stop, but no, <laughs> but actually look at things that are out of context and that reinforced the whole project. And then... I started to do it roll to roll in one of these presses and then it became like an actual textile. I won't mention the name, but on the MA we did like a project with an outside company. And it is just funny where I think the best things or the newest things are when people see them they don't get it because they're just unsure they've never seen it. So I remember them being like, nah, never work. But I just remember in my head being like, I'm gonna prove you wrong because you can bond this to anything and this can be closed they're like oh it's just gonna rip i'm like but you can apply different things to it and i think remember thinking this must be so new because they're so against it not the ma people but like this outside company that were just viewing our stuff um and that's why the ma was so good because then the teachers were like oh you're onto a winner because it hasn't been seen and that's when i started to like make lamps of it and then all you'd hear in the print room was like shh, shh, and it kind of added a bit of mystique to you as well, because I'd just be on my own in the MA room at the back table. People were like, I don't look like a typical fashion person. So a lot of people was like, what's that graphics boy doing in here? I'm like, make it fashion. Working <laughs> with foil. <laughs> yeah. But then we bonded it and made suits and coats and stuff like that. So then it became very real and very odd in a way. Like even getting a brocade, you can get that effect, but it's way heavier than that foil. And then, for example, that mouth thing, at the Met Gala, we used that textile to evoke like the religious kind of metallic Because it was Virgin like a, Mary. Was it, so. it was Catholicism. Yeah. The theme was Catholicism. Yeah, she, well, in the tell human me body. about describe Amal's outfit. 
So it's like a tight silver corset, always the base of a great outfit. <laughs> and then <laughs> Every time. A navy cigarette trouser, and then like a big train. And that foil. was, and it was foil. All, all foil apart from the trousers, which are like Duchess silk, I think they were. But yeah, no, does, it, it's does good. it make a particular noise that fabric? Yeah, the foil's quite noisy. It's not like tin foil; it doesn't crumple. <laughs> it has like a real like light type sound but um yeah no that was good that was more she kept on sending me reference images of like my old work did she like, ask you to, to to wear to wear your designs or was it anna winter who like, yeah i think that's kind you? of the route that came i think i was just suggested by anna and then because she was like co-chair with her and then they i think her assistant messaged me being like oh are you interested in doing it and then amal phoned me once gave my number and she was like really nice really intelligent on the phone did and that's kind of like a did woman. you come here for fittings yeah so we've kind of got well i've got a policy if you want something come get it so we have not in like i wasn't like you want it <laughs> get in your tribe or come down no i was more like come down to the studio because she was sending me reference images of like oh this is great what about this but in my head i'm like in reality you're looking at a photo the garment in real life is completely different um because there's one photo from my lookbook on the ma where it's like a all foil suit and then it's like actually a huge opera coat, but it's like on the arms like that. So it looks like a skirt. And then she's like, oh, I want the one with the skirt. I was like, just come down, have a look at it. And then she came and then showed the samples of the foil. And then it's just like a kind of a natural process where we had like a few twirls hanging around of like corsets and stuff. And it was very much recreating that image and then adjusting it as we went. So it's kind of like a fresh way of work, I think. And she was super nice. And it was one of the funniest things though, is like when Grazia did like, were contacting us for like, the stats of the look so there's obviously like this, the stats as in like Marcella's one was like 50 million pearls on this thing and took a million oh, right. people to make it whereas ours was like took two days to make <laughs> what two fittings or something and then I think they had to like insert a big number so they were like 5,000 miles from Peckham so <laughs> fair enough <laughs> that's impressive <laughs> I love that story um what about next thing for your cabinet I would put in. I'd put in the key from my university flat, <laughs> purely because I think objects themselves are really interesting. But I also think objects that have like a story and a life behind them are even more interesting. And something like that key, I would use on like a daily basis. And like I have really fond memories of that, like living there. Where was it? It was actually. It was like an okay. It was actually. Like, a hole but it was actually like a really nice road in Bloomsbury but I remember we were trying to find in Peckham we were trying to, but these are actually more expensive than that place but it was like just two rooms a kitchen and a bathroom no heating but it was like two minutes from St Martin so I was like who were you living with? I was living with my friend at the time um, and it was just like a really interesting time in my life because it was working towards something that you're so passionate about but there's no fixed there's no certainty in it and I just think back to having that key and like make my work way to and from St Martin's every day. That's something that I had that whole time. And I still have and I'm like, oh, that's a fond memory. And like, I think it's even in my drawer at home and like even when I'm looking for something, I just think back to that time, like staying up all night, doing all these things. And it's like, all that story is in this object that's now redundant. I just find things like that very interesting. But no, it was like a really interesting time in my life and like very fond memory. Sad memories, but fun memories. Not even that long ago. No, it was only that was during the BA, 
and I just remember but it's just a time when I was like torn between so many things and it's just like you're growing up like I had like angsty teenage years like after I was like at you're a late developer yeah and then yeah it was just like a very interesting time of life and then looking back because now everything's very like in place I've got my studio I've got my life I've got whatever but back then everything was up in the air so it was like I remember being at school being like this desperation to leave and like at sixth form like this desperation to leave and at St Martin's I was like this weird desperation to like prove something and like actually make something happen and then now it's just like very content and we're like oh this is what I do now you set when you set your label up um did you ever think or maybe it'd be a good idea to go and did you always think you wanted to open your own label eponymous label did you think you'd rather you know did you ever think about going to work for another brand or I doing think something else I worked for like as an intern lots of places and like worked at Mark Van Ham, Martin van der Host, uh, Dior when Raph was there so like a intern women's wear yeah women's wear and then helped a bit out just like day to day running as well as you do and then <laughs> um, but it's like a really happy time and again, that kind of coincided well. I had to leave London for a year, but I still had that key, going back to that. But that was interesting. But um, no, I worked at other places, and like, I, after I graduated, I did like freelance work for people. But I, I found it quite hard to have such a strong intent to make this world and this vision, and then for it to become quite derivative in like, or watered down or changed somewhere else. I but we do that here. We work for other people. I find the dialogue you have with other designers and houses where it's like a big house like Burberry or like a smaller young designer as interesting. And I think that's kind of like a fresh, like a breath of fresh air for my own work. But I don't think... I'd be a creative director somewhere, but I don't think I could go and work somewhere else. And you sort of open this space as a... Well, obviously the place that you manufacture your your pieces, but also um, I know that you open it up to other designers, like up-and-coming yeah. designers to kind of foster a sense of community. Exactly, yeah. So this is kind of... I've won like, the H&M Award and that little capsule collection, but then that gave me a lot of funding straight away. So then I spoke to Sarah Moe a few months before that and talked about my idea, but obviously it's quite pie in the sky then. Some random guy you've met twice been like, I'm opening a print studio and a women's wear label, FYI. But she's really supportive, but then I won the HM thing like that, got the money like that, and basically signed the contract. Like, so was that the funding later. that allowed you to open this? Exactly. And so then I like, just set about having print tables, getting everything done, and then I applied for the new gen, I think it was one to watch at the time. And I think, however it was working, then you had like a rail of clothes. But I obviously really grateful for that but I just thought in my head the clothes only really make sense in the context that I want to show them when it's on the body or in a sense of place and then just so literally as a coincidence happens Liberty the head of bags there James emailed me and was like oh can you come in we've seen how you use one of our vintage prints it's really exciting can you come in and do like a collaboration with us and that coincided with them saying, oh, you've got a rail at Fashion Week. And I thought, okay, great, hold that thought. But, so I went and saw Liberty, and I said, oh, it would be like a really fresh way of doing it, potentially if I show my collection within, like, the store, and then show bags within that, and then we can make a commercial version after. And it just happened very quick, and so the first show was in Liberty then. And then, what else happened then? Oh, yeah, and then we got Liberty, and then I got full new gen. And then the Queen happened. And then the Queen happened, which... Yeah. 
Let's talk about. First of all, tell me your next cabinet of thing, and then um, we'll talk about the Queen. I would put in there. I'll probably put my St. Martin's cards. Everyone's got theirs. The pass that gets yeah. you through the gates. Yeah. Exactly. That no longer works, I found out. No. Tell me about it. You've got to get an alumni one. But um, again, that's a bit like the key, I guess. That's something that was with me for like six, seven years. And even like when I went to Paris, that was something that stayed in my wallet for a long time. Even after I graduated, it was there. I think that's something that links every St. Martin's person together as well. Everyone keeps their cards. I think, again, it's like an object that has life in it and potentially that kind of links to my work in a way where you're taking old prints or old kind of couture and then you're putting new life into it so maybe I'm interested in just sort of that context really and putting things in different contexts yeah but I remember the best one though was the M8 one because that allowed you to go anywhere I figured that anywhere out anywhere in the building I don't know there must have been a glitch on my card because I think because on the top floor you had loads of different studios it allowed you to go anywhere but it allowed you to go anywhere my card for some reason and I think there was a glitch in the last month so because it was just giving me free print obviously I didn't flag that to anyone <laughs> yeah. but I was like on the photocopy it's like <laughs> always Paul Harris books yeah literally <laughs> flat contracts like <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no I like things like that and I like sentimental things that are from like a very uncertain point and then you can look back when you're quite stable like Stable in all senses, just like, ah, oh, that's interesting. That all through that time that I still have it, that everything's like settled down, it's like this great. What, um, do you ever think about that? Let's call it a tendency for successful fashion designers to go a bit off the rails. Do you ever think about that and think, how can I make sure that doesn't happen to me? I don't think I'd ever go off the rails. I think if I did, my parents could be a bit slapped. They'd be like, what is wrong with you? Or my sister who works with me, Grace, she'd be like, eh what's going on and our studio is very calm I think it's more as long as like you've got a really good team around you and like we're pretty much all friends here anyway and then Grace pops in and out I live with my parents my dad's there <laughs> so it's like a very like normal environment and stuff like celebrity and things like that I'm not really that interested by so even with like a man when she comes here I'm like yeah let's go I still don't believe that she thought we were going to make it for her though because we were all so relaxed about it <laughs> Was she expecting you to be a bit more, st a bit more reverential? I don't think more starstruck or anything like that. I think it was meant to be more. Maybe she's gone to fittings before, where there's like a lot more of like a fuss of like millimeters. Whereas we were literally like, Whoop! right, make the pattern, let's do this. And then it was very much like, there's only like three weeks left. I'm like, <laughs> didn't say it. But I was like, look, love, it's gonna be made in like three hours. So don't worry about it. It's gonna be fine. But and like stuff like all the jewelry came to our studio and like Sainsbury's bags oh my god yeah so that was the really good thing about it there's like a whole table of like very expensive jewellery with like price tags upstairs on. here on our pattern cutting table yeah underneath the train tracks in Peckham yeah incredible you can't understand why they came in Sainsbury's bags <laughs> <laughs> so yeah let's talk about the Queen um, so then it was earlier this year 2018 yep. at, during the autumn winter shows in London and um, the Queen attended your show and then presented you with the inaugural Queen Elizabeth II Award for British Design. Yeah. How did that feel? Uh, it was really good, I think. I knew something was going to happen a few weeks before and then, like, towards the time I was, like, let When in. you say something, did you know that that was what it was? No, I didn't know it was that. I knew something, like, it was very much, like, ooh, just be prepared. Was there a shortlist? that you were part of? No, I don't know actually, I don't know how that works. I think 
I'd be lying if I said I knew how it worked. I have no idea still. But I know that I got it. <laughs> and then they were talking to me about it. But it's very much at the beginning like, oh, just, you know, something's going to happen. We'll let you know nearer the time. And then it was like, a VIP's coming to your show. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And then like very close to the time, I think it was like a week before they told me. But so when they said a VIP, I mean... Cause has she been to shows before? I thought, I think the word in the studio was, oh, it's pretty Anna Wintour. And I was a bit like, if it's Anna Wintour and I've been called up to BFC for this, I'm over it. I'm like, <laughs> I do not care if she's going to turn up. Obviously you do, but not like meeting worthy. Like, that could really be an email, guys. But um, no, and then like a week before they were like, you've won this award and Queen's going to give it to you and all this kind of stuff. And then I was like, what? I was like, why? They were like, oh, because you got the studio and you do your women's herb. I was like, well, why her? I don't get why she'd do it. So, but it was like a really nice thing. They were like, I was like, better go and finish this thing then. Did you? <laughs> like, did, um, were you, um, when you, when you were backstage at the show, did you have a peek out onto the audience to see? Take a I went to the run through and there was like a chair with like the blue cushion. But it's funny, Love Magazine came here to film George May Jagger a few weeks before. No, it must have been about two weeks before, because I knew it was what was going down. And I said to them, I was like, oh, make sure you come and cover the show. Like, I, something big's going to happen. And they're like, yeah. And I was like, look, it's not going to be like Lady Gaga singing or some naff thing <laughs> like that. It's not going to be like Towie in the audience. I was like, honestly, I don't, I'm not one for slept, just calm. Uh, I think it's the first time they covered front and backstage. And then I think after they're like, thanks. <laughs> thanks for yeah. the heads up. <laughs> yeah. So they came, so that was quite fun. Wow. But even just seeing like models come back, and I think there's like a few photos that are like going nuts. And you're like, oh, we know who you've just seen. <laughs> um, and she gave her a little speech, I think, after the sh- yeah. show and then presented you with the awards. That- yeah, so. Yeah, she just talked about the new awards. I think Caroline Rush introduced like a really nice speech then. It was like the Queen and then it was um, the, what do you call it? And then the Queen got up and then said, this is the award. Well done, Richard. I was like, that's nice. And then I remember before the BFC, we were like, where do you want your parents to sit? And I was literally like, chair for chair. I want them like opposite. It was really nice because like, all my brothers and sisters were there. So it was like a really nice moment. Wow. What's she like up close? Literally like pristine. What do you think of her wardrobe? Um, it's iconic really, because you could put her stuff... I think iconic clothing comes from without the person actually wearing it and you associate it with them. So if you saw her pillar box bag, jacket, you'd know it's the Queen instantly. So I think she has got really good style, because it's iconic. And then... Yeah, and no, I think she's cool. And, and the press at Generators is obviously a different kind of press than you get from if you're in Love magazine or... Yeah, yeah, exactly. If Jürgen Teller takes, your, takes photographs of your collection, so... I didn't expect it to be, like, whirlwind of, like, media, like, ah! <laughs> I was literally like, oh, I remember saying, oh, it's going to be really funny, I'll be in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Me in the sun, that'll be really funny. And then the only disappointment thing I'd had is no one used the headline that I anticipated Which so I made was? a t-shirt out of it God Save the Quinn I can't believe the sun didn't same that. amount of letters everything I need like two or three letters change but we made a commercial t-shirt out of it so I had my win there but um no I think the reach that she has is like incredible but I didn't expect it to go global like my friends were in New York and like my name was going around the Fox building 
And I was like, what is going on? Well, the best is when I get an Uber now back or in something back, and then people stop outside and are like, oh, fashion's really tough, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, have you done anything much? They're like, nah. <laughs> You're just like, bye. I think that in that context is really that. funny as well. But no, it's all been really positive, I think. I don't think you, you can get any negatives out of it. Mm. And it was nice to get it. Nice to be thought of like this early on was good. Yeah. But where do you go from here? down <laughs> no i think i want to grow the space i want to move out of here get a bigger space um would you stay in the area or would you go somewhere else? i want to stay in the area or like further back towards home and then like actually have like a separate office stock room so everything because at the moment everything's kind of like on top of each other which is a part of it growing so quick which is great but we need to adapt very quickly and like get like a collection manager and get lots of different people in place very quickly so everything runs quite smoothly because I think people think we're way bigger than we are so we'll get like emails from like an American store being like I spoke to Grace and she said this and it's like Grace is actually my sister and she's sitting next to me and she didn't say that <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not a different department it's definitely not a different office she's literally right here <laughs> like, so it is kind of it's refreshing like that because people think we bigger than we are but we actually do need to become bigger quite quick mm. and like have like more print team have like actually people like manning an email because like they all just go to my phone and i'm just like see a scroll of like constant emails every day i'm like oh my god i know when we were doing this podcast i was just like he hasn't confirmed but i'm just assuming it's on yeah, to turn know. up on monday i finally got like a digital calendar so the gabby rp yeah exactly um, before it was like but a there are too many emails anyway i think you've got to it's quite nice to just sometimes just not reply yeah. the necessary <laughs> things always happen yeah exactly um, was there anything else you wanted to put into your cabinet before we what would move i put on? in my cabinet i would put i feel bad asking you now because i feel like you can't think of anything else because we only talked about it right before this podcast started. <laughs> I think I would put my family in there to keep them locked away. <laughs> I'm joking. So I know where they are. Yeah. No, because I'm really close to my family, like super close. And I always find it quite weird when people don't get on with their family or they argue with their family. That's always like, like if I ever interview someone for a job, I'm like, oh, okay, tell me about your family. And it's like, oh, I've got a sister, but I don't get on with her. I'm like then that's a huge red flag. So you can't get on with your family, how the hell are you going to get on with me? So me and my family are really, really close. It's like one of five. Where do you fall in the number of... Can you not tell I'm the youngest? <laughs> probably could tell that, actually. Yeah, a little shit. I'm the but, eldest um, of five, so... Yeah, I could tell. Could <laughs> <laughs> it's like when people say, I could tell you're a Virgo. Yeah, exactly. No, uh, no, even my parents and stuff, they're so... They're like the biggest fans of what we do now and they're all kind of getting involved in a way and it's things that were never on their radar like on their radar now it's just really funny or people that they work with are like oh i've seen like your stuff or the funniest one was like there's a woman that my brother was doing work for because he like does like high-end refurbishments she's like quite poor shouldn't my brother's like oh my brother's showing a fashion week actually she's like oh right it's probably just like a part of a set of people or something and she was like oh I'm a, I'm a personal stylist I don't think you'd have a shirt I've never heard of them all this stuff and I was like my brother told me a story he's like are you actually having like do I need to take a day off for this like she <laughs> seems to think it's like some sort of like fan club meeting I'm like no no like I was like actually give her a ticket <laughs> and then she came to the show and I was like mind blown <laughs> so she's like now <laughs> now you know who we are <laughs> but um 
or even when my sister works, people are like showing her like magazines, like, oh, your stuff's there. Yeah, so it's like really nice, but I think my family are like the ones that have always been there, always will be there, and they're, and they all contribute so much to what we do as well. So, yeah, I put them in there. Yeah, it's nice, because I saw Molly Goddard, who we had on the show a while ago, um, she's also really family focused. Yeah. Like her mum helps her, she's an amazing set designer and helps yeah. with sets, and her dad is a sculptor and does art. And I love that sort of stuff, though. Seems like it's nice for artists to have this family support. Yeah, it helps I think a lot so. with the kind of what can be quite a stressful. I think it's very job. grounding for sure and it's and it's actually quite nice to see my family who would have my sisters definitely would be interested in fashion and stuff but then for my parents without me not to be really know what's going on it's nice for them to actually know what's going on but really support it mm. and really get involved and like my dad's scaffolders and stuff like help <laughs> help me build this and yeah. I think they kind of like we wouldn't be doing what we do without them so and mm. continuously like grace does all our sales and i think my sister louise is now gonna get involved so i think it's like a nice keep it in the family keep it in the family <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in a non-scary in a non-scary way, way. Yeah. Um, what about relationships with who girlfriend boyfriend no happily single do you have to, would you have time um you don't seem to be like one of those people that's super busy like you seem to be quite chilled and everything's in a good place until you leave <laughs> like, <laughs> <And> i'm like <laughs> no i think i went for a period of like loving someone a lot and literally like put a lot on hold for them and then like altered who i was for them i think that kind of goes back to university as well i was a bit like this is like a really weird time of life so then I think I was just happy for a break after that. And then when I got in the MA, it was like, I'm focused on work. And then since then, it's like, go, 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 go. Recently started seeing people, but I don't know. It's just, at the moment, it's like, it's kind of... Or you start to see someone, and not that they're not talking about... They're not talking about what's relevant to me. It's a bit like... So, like they're talking about their flatmate who hasn't yeah. signed a contract you're like oh I really don't care <laughs> like, super focused yeah I think for now I think I'll just keep super focused on work and yeah and it will come I think I think once this is like a bigger team I won't be here on Friday night printing I'll be like or here on a Sunday like doing projects with people I think that will naturally come in time but I don't want to I think I'm just afraid if I met someone I'd fall really hard again and just, this would just go to shit I'd rather just like stay focused get everything this in place this is your passion yeah right and now. then get someone yeah. who actually likes me <laughs> we could number start. one yeah, yeah that would be number one that's start, quite a dramatic think. noise going on behind there with the train yeah. again you're Perfect just used timing. to it yeah <laughs> um and what about this collection for carlos place um and um matchesfashion.com which includes clothing but also yeah. some sort of up, small upholstery yeah. fabrics for furniture and tell me a bit about that yeah so i've been approached i think with print you can apply it to so many different things we've been approached by so many people saying can you do interiors and we got offered really great contracts but it's just not in the right context i don't think and i think the matches customer is such an intelligent customer um, that translates to both fashion and clothes. And if we're going to introduce any sort of homeware, this would be the perfect context and Mount Street store and everything like that. So it's the perfect environment because the women who would buy our homeware, we expect would buy the dresses as well. I don't think there'd be a separate thing because we are very much like the world of Richard Quinn type thing. So it's like an exciting thing to actually launch this with you guys because it's in 
the right setting and the right mood and the right time, I think. Because I think if we were to launch it, for example, it's a high street or something like that, it just wouldn't feel... It wouldn't feel handmade and crafted. Like, all the stuff is still made here. I think that's why getting, like, a... And it's a limited run. I think that's the best thing. No one wants to go to someone else's house and have, like, the same bed sheets. And I think now more than ever, everyone wants, like, a unique object and very much... A curated place but very oh I found this I went to Carlos's place and I found this and I bought it and there's only a four or five made so I bought two and that's the limited run they'll never be made again type of thing so I think that's the best way of doing it because it's like that book that's why I'm interested in like things that it's like a limited run of books you can only find a select number and I feel quite special to have that it's not on the internet and I think and we did like custom colorways of like some of our I think the jacket sold out last season so we've done like a bespoke colorway in colourways that don't exist anywhere else and I find quite fresh sometimes even nicer than the original because you, you do it after the show where you're playing around like that would have been a really good look <laughs> and then you send it to you guys and you pick it and we're like perfect someone can wear that now and it's nice then especially when people buy stuff for matches because they like tag us on Instagram post you see how they style it up and I think that's the customer we gravitate towards for sure mm. and I think they're the ladies that would have houses that would be strong enough and have the aesthetic to carry the homer as well. Yeah. And would it be able to curate it in a way that's like like really interested? It would look really right wearing Richard Quinn yeah, dress become, like, in five colours. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, so I think we're going to do potentially rugs. That's not confirmed, Jack, so I need to like sort out how we're going to make rugs. But there's a really... I'm kind of adamant that I can't want to carry on making everything in England and London and... Actually, it's really nice seeing all the factories that we use there actually growing as we grow and we kind of want to do that with like the makers if we're doing rugs find the rug makers there's one in St Albans actually we're in talks with so that should be exciting but yeah so it's nice to get a product printed by us then made by someone in London as well yeah um, sounds really cool can't wait to see it um, before we finish was there anything else that you wanted to put into your cabinet mm. or is it complete I think it's four things. Oh, I see what I do a fifth. No. I would do. Maybe we did do five. I lost track. To be fair, I'm one of five, so that family that's really perfect. does count. Yeah. They would fill up that cabinet. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we did the key, did the card, we did the colour card, did family. The book. Yeah. Five. Perfect. Richard Quinn, thank you so much for talking to us. Thanks for coming down. That was an episode of The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion podcast. You can find more episodes and more about Five Carlos Place on the Matches Fashion website, and you can join the conversation on social media by searching for at Matches Fashion and the hashtag Five Carlos Place. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 